grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the 21st chapter. Jesus is talking about changing, turning back to Him, repenting. And, he, and of course, the Pharisees w- would not. So He says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons, and he went into the first one, and he said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Well, dear friends of Christ, Oklahoma lost. That's not good for you this morning, because that means this is a sermon of law, right? But it is a sermon of law. It's about repentance. And repentance is something that we do. If it's anything that we do, it has to do with God working in us. And God was not working in the Pharisees. And, of course, Jesus tells a story to try to shake them up, to try to get them to return to Him. And He tells a story about a father who had two sons. And, of course, He wants them to go work in His vineyard. And so He first asked the first son to go work. And the first son said, uh, No, Dad, I'm not going to go work for you today. Kind of nasty-like, right? And then later he changed his mind. He repented and then he went. And then he went to the other son who, you know, on the outward looked good. Yeah, sure, Dad, you bet. Love you tons. Going to go work for you. Get it done. You can trust in me. And, of course, then that son didn't go. Um, Of course, this story has meaning, important meaning and application in our lives as it was for the Pharisees who were listening to it. Can, can you think of a time when God's Word challenged you? Now, you knew what God's Word was. You just didn't want to obey it. And God's Word was challenging you to do something. And maybe, maybe you resisted it first. And, and, but then the Holy Spirit started work on your heart, and, and you said, I have to do what's right. I don't want to do what's right. Um, maybe it was... Uh, a family member to whom you're never talking and you have ceased talking to that family member and God's working in your heart to forgive and to restore and to reunite, reunite and to reconcile and you say no, no, that's, 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 not, that's not going to happen but then later you think about it and then you do what's difficult and you go and you turn and you do what's right, and you please the Lord, and you obey His commandments, and you serve God. That's a hard thing to do. Now think about your life. Where are you at? When you listen to God's Word, when you obey His commandments, when you do what is right in the sight of the Lord, when you seek to please your Heavenly Father. Now think about all those times you didn't. Those times when you're like the second son, where the Lord is trying to move you, the Lord is trying to teach you, the Lord is trying to guide you, the Lord is trying to get you to change, and you're resisting. And on the outside, you look like you're going to. You come to church, and you do all the right things, and you go to Bible study, and, and the words coming out of your lips are, oh, I love God, and I, and I live for God, but what's coming out of your life is not the same. And so you listen, but you refuse to do. You intentionally disobey. Intentionally disobey. In fact, you had no intention whatsoever of doing what was right. You had set in your heart before you even considered it that the outcome was going to be the sinful behavior. And you knew this 
going in, you were going to displease your heavenly Father. Now, you may have acted like you were going to do something wonderful, but you knew within. Which son do you want to be? Do you want to be the son that says no, but then he goes ahead and he does what's right and says yes? Or do you want to be that willful, disobedient son who says yes, looks good at the beginning, but then shows that there's just emptiness inside? Which son are you really? Now, I want you to think about that. Do you pretend to be all holy? Do you pretend to be faithful and then sin? Or do you struggle with that temptation and struggle with the things God wants you to do and, and then with struggling decide, I'll turn to the Lord. Our theme, choosing to repent. You know, when we listen, listen to God and His Word, we turn away from temptation when we choose to do what's right that's called repentance. That's why it's a law. That's why it's something we do. It's something that happens in my heart. It's a willful choice. And when I choose to please the Lord, I'm repenting. When I choose to serve Him, when I choose to turn away from the evil that I want to do, when I choose to live for Him, choose to seek to do the things that please my Heavenly Father, Do you see repentance happening in your life? Well, if you're a believer, you do. Now, James says about believers, as the, as the body, apart from the Spirit, is a dead body, so also is faith apart from works. You, you can't have a live person without a person in the body. And you can't have a live person in Christ without a person living for Jesus. That's quite impossible. Genuine repentance lives in God's children just to what degree. And no, repentance doesn't have to be perfect. If repentance had to be perfect, none of us could be saved. But just because repentance doesn't have to be perfect means doesn't mean that I tell the Lord, I don't ever have to repent. I don't ever have to go into the fields and work. I'll, I'll act like I'm going to. I'll go to church. I'll do all the religious things. I'll do all the things that look right, but I'm not going to do what you ask me to do. I'm not going to love that person who's difficult to love. I'm not going to forgive that person who doesn't deserve to be forgiven. I'm going to disobey the commandments. I'm going to do what I want to do. But on the outward, I'll, I'll look the way I want to look and I'll look holy enough. You know, when Jesus was telling this, this, this story, he wasn't talking to his disciples. He wasn't talking to the believers. He was talking to the Pharisees. They were self-righteous Pharisees. These are guys who thought they were great people. They thought God would, should come down, pat them on the back, and say, what would I do without you guys? You are the most wonderful leaders of the church. You're just so fantastic. Thank you so much for all the things you do in my kingdom. And this is what Jesus was dealing with. A bunch of people that wouldn't turn. Oh, they look good on the outside, but on the inside, 
They thought they were holy. Matter of fact, they looked holy. They acted holy. They smelled holy. They had a holy air about them. But when people turned their heads, when people weren't watching, they weren't holy. They weren't righteous. And Jesus talked about these disobedient leaders. He said, these people draw near to me with their lips, and they honor me with their mouths, but their hearts are far from me. And they're like the second son, perhaps. The second son who said, yes, I'll go work in your vineyard today, but then later chose not to do so. When people weren't paying attention, they just simply refused to serve the Lord. Does that kind of behavior sound familiar to you? In you, in our world around us? These were the religious leaders who were criticizing all the teachings that Jesus was given. These were the religious leaders. These were the disobedient. And you know what Jesus did with these disobedient religious leaders? He loved them. He warned them. He advised them, unless you repent, you too shall perish. Unless you repent, unless you change, unless you turn, unless you serve. Listen, Jesus loves those who oppose Him. Now, it's hard for us to believe. He loves those who oppose Him. He wants to save them. He wants them to turn. He wants them to make right decisions. He wants them to do what pleases the Heavenly Father. Think about the Roman soldiers that were nailing Jesus to the cross. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He loved them, right? Jesus loved guys like that. He loves you too. And think about the thief who died next to Jesus. He was on the cross for a purpose. He was on the cross dying for sins committed to the country and to the nation. A capital offense. This is the one who mocked Jesus, made fun of Him, and then later started to think about what He was saying and changed His mind. He repented. Remember what He said? Jesus, remember me in Your kingdom. You remember what Jesus said to this thief, this one who was dying for sins that he deserved to be dying for? Did he say, hey, listen, God, you know, kid, tough luck. You, you'd made your choices. You made your bed. Now sleep in it. No, Jesus said to this sinful dying thief who turned back to Jesus, today you'll be with me in paradise. The other thief wasn't. No, Jesus loved that thief. And He loves you. And He loves all people who turn to Him. He calls you to serve. It's like the first son, isn't it? Because we see in the first son, He said no and then later changed. He repented. He turned. He wanted to please His Father. And then He said yes the first son but first he was disobedient i mean this first son wasn't all that 
wonderful either. I mean, I will not obey. I will not. I will not. I will not listen to you. I will not serve you. Why would the father love a son like that? I will not. Those are strong words. They're words of defiance, and they're words that we hear from our our little children. I mean, when they first learn how to communicate to the world, the first things out of their mouth are these words of defiance. No! I'm three months old! No! They say it with such brazen defiance and such bold conviction. What little sinners they are. But we big sinners are no different. We play games with God too. And He says go and we say no. God says do and we say don't. God says obey and we disobey. Defiantly sometimes with forceful conviction, such sinful defiance should not surprise us because Romans 1 talks about why we have it. It's the natural sinful heart that lives in each of us. For the mind that is set on the sinful flesh is hostile to God. It it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And we were born into this world defiantly saying to our Heavenly Father, No, no, I will not. Have you ever told a solicitor no? No. They call on the phone. They always call when? About the time you're eating. And there you are with your food and you're putting in your mouth and they have a great, great deal for you. But you don't think it's so great. And if you're kind, you say, no, thank you. I'm not interested. And so do they say, well, thank you for your time. No, they continue. And so you hang up on them. Why did you hang up on them? Because they had nothing to offer you. Why did you hang up on them? Because there was nothing of interest. And sometimes that's the way we treat God. As if He has nothing to offer us. As if there's no interest. He calls. He offers. He encourages us to return to Him. He encourages us to come to Him with His favor, with His mercy, with His grace. But we refuse to listen. Why do we do that? We do it because our natural heart is set on the things of the flesh which is hostile to God. Our sinful heart feels as if God's Word has nothing to offer me. Our natural human heart really says, God, quit interfering in my life. But there's another way to live. There's another response. The Holy Spirit turns to us and He comes to us and He works in our hearts and He leads us and He directs us and He calls us to repent and He moves our hearts to do and to desire what is pleasing to our Heavenly Father to work in His vineyard. It happened in the first son. He changed his mind. No, I won't go, but then yes. What changed his mind? Perhaps he was feeling guilty. Maybe he remembered how much his father loved him. Maybe he remembered how much he loved his father. 
We aren't really told what the motivation is. We're not supposed to know what the motivation is. It's intentional because we're supposed to put ourselves in the shoes of that first son. What motivates you to get into the vineyard and work? What is it that motivates you to change your mind? And if you are following God, it's not the law that motivates you. It's the blood right here. It's the gift of the Son who loved you so much He gave His life for you. That's the motivator. It's the Word of God that comes to you. The promise of His Son that comes to you that motivates you. And that blood, that sacrifice changes us. God's Word opens our eyes and leads us to faith to say with King David, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to Your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Our lives depend on God's steadfast love. We lay our sins upon His abundant mercy. Without grace, without His forgiving love, without the gift of His Son, we'd be lost and condemned. There'd be no hope. We repent because God is good. We serve Him because He deserves to be served. We love Him because He first loved us. And we want to please our Heavenly Father because He washes us thoroughly from all our iniquity. You remember the story of the lost son, the prodigal son. Remember how the prodigal son returned to his father? Father, I have sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Your heavenly father has called you. He's opened your heart and he's opened your mind to believe in the gift that he gives you in his son, Jesus Christ. To choose you to be his own and to live in his kingdom. As Martin Luther says in his catechism, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness and innocence and blessedness. This is most certainly true. Your heavenly Father calls you to work in his vineyard, to go serve. And we follow Jesus because He first loved us. That's why. You know, several years ago there was a fire in a high-rise apartment complex. The top floor was inaccessible by the firemen, and there were people trapped there. In fact, the blaze was so um, so hot that they couldn't even put the the ladders up against the building to save the people. So the people had to jump, you know, into those big air-filled pillows with a big target on it. One by one they did, but finally there was one 16-year-old girl left and she wouldn't jump because she was blind. She was terrified. She couldn't see. She couldn't see the air pillow. She didn't feel safe to jump. But when her father arrived, he called out. And when she heard his voice, she trusted and she jumped and she lived. The voice of your Heavenly Father calls out to trust in Him 
He calls you to mercy. He calls you to grace. He calls you to return. He calls you into His vineyard. He calls you to obey His holy commandments. He calls you to do what is pleasing to your Heavenly Father, to love Him above all things and to love even your enemies and forgive them. And then when we fail to do all that, He invites us to jump into His heavenly arms, into His arms of steadfast love, into His arms of abundant mercy. He calls us to trust in Jesus for our salvation. Will you serve a Savior like that? Which son do you want to emulate when you wake up each morning? The son who said no, but then later, later went into the vineyard and said yes? Or the son who said yes, but with no intention to serve, and then said no? As one living in the forgiveness of Christ, as one living in the abundant grace and mercy of our Savior, you want everything in your life to be yes in Jesus. Don't you see? That's what God is working in your heart. He's leading you to believe, to change, and to repent. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen.